Marshall, you ready to do the podcast? I'm ready to go. All right. Let's go, Stan. <laughs> the Draftsman Podcast. With you, Stan. And me. Mar why, am I, oh, <laughs> why am I saying yeah? That um, was Hey guys, welcome back to the Draftsman Podcast where we talk about art stuff and we teach you about art stuff and you ask us questions about art stuff. All that. And we're artists and teachers and... Yeah. Yeah. Here we are again. Yep. This is another episode. Let's do. Yeah. What do you want to talk about today, Stan? Well, we're going to talk about making money as an artist. Making money as an artist. Yes. That but first, is... Marshall. Yeah? Hold on. Okay. I, was I haven't just seen jumping... you in a week. Oh, yeah. It's... Tell me what you've been up to. It's <sighs> a hard question. My mind is so on the present that you're trying to point it back to the past. Okay. What are you going to be doing in like two months? Because <laughs> that's when this episode is going to come out. <laughs> I've been getting prepared for classes. You might think, why would he get prepared for classes when he's teaching classes he's taught over and over because every new group is a new experience and I get my head into the notes and into the slides and in what we're going to watch. And so I, I, in fact, I enjoy that part of teaching more than any other part is preparing the really? curriculum. Yeah. Interesting. Because I get to do it alone. It's creative. I get to move the sessions around to say, oh, what if we did this one before that one? It's fun. Yeah. Nice. Yeah, that's what I'm doing. That's cool. How about you? I've been... This is how you make your living, too. Shit, shit, hold on. What am I doing? Oh. I've been getting ready to launch Proco 2.0. Then it's a new social network slash online art school okay. that I'll be launching. And this is the big thing you've been preparing for oh, yeah. a few we've, years. We've been working on it for several years. Yeah. Can you give us a brief explanation of how Proco 2.0 is different from the previous version? Yes. There will be a lot more community features. You'll be able to post your assignments directly under the lesson itself request critiques people will be able to critique it you're going to get points for everything you do and possibly even maybe buy stuff with those points wow um there's going to be a classroom area where you can keep, you know keep track of what you're working on you could see what other people in the class are doing mm -hmm. um there'll be a news feed uh, eventually not in the first version eventually we're going to launch challenges where and competitions yeah um yeah, it's just gonna, it's going to be more of an actual art school and less of a, a library. Because right now I think Proco.com is kind of just like a library of videos. Mm -hmm. It's not an art school. but So this yeah. is going to level up the user experience to yes. be more for the user. Yes. The oh, and a big part of this is I'm going to be allowing other instructors to start posting their content. So it'll I become a, a larger marketplace of art, art education, not just... Not just my stuff and the stuff that Proco produces, mm -hmm. but other instructors can make their own stuff and post it. They will be approved though. I'm not going to open up to everybody, but okay. I guess if you are an art instructor with a lot of experience and know how to make videos and you want to participate, email me. Great. Yeah. Three cheers in advance for Proco 2.0. Thank you. Making money as an artist. Making money as an artist. Oh boy, that's a big topic. It's huge. Yeah. But I got nothing to say. No, I'm just kidding. I got a lot to say. 
So this is just specifically how to make money. So if we're going to deal with this, I think we pull our view back and get a whole big context. Yeah. And that is how do I actually make money with my art? Most people either freelance or get a job. Those have been the <laughs> At two a studio big categories. In my time, that was all there was. You got hired by a company to work regularly and you had a paycheck and you got insurance benefits and you had to go to the work yeah. every day. Or what I did, I never had a job like that. I was always a freelancer. So You um, teach at a college. Uh, yes, but it was all, I've only been a part-time teacher. Okay. Other than on the online school uh, in 2010 to 2000. Uh, 12 or so, I, I was always a freelancer. So the, the schools are very much like freelancing. Teach one night mm, a week, okay. two nights a week, and you might not be teaching there next semester. Ah, oh really? Wow. Yeah. So freelancing was all I knew, and freelancing was a hassle because every time you do a job, now you've got to go out and get another job. And so the amount of time spent in showing portfolio and marketing, it's very much like what actors have to do, except that actors have it far worse, which is most of their lives are going to auditions and going to auditions and going to auditions. And it's something like nine out of 10 or 99 out of 100 that say no to you. So you spend all this time going to auditions, hoping to get that one job that's going to pay that well. And that happened with me showing my portfolio to get one job. But... As time went on, if I did a good job for that client, the client would then hire me again and hire me again, and then it would become references to other art directors where it was it started to snowball in yeah. a way. But I'll tell you, as difficult as freelancing was, there was some great things about it. I, in retrospect, I wouldn't have wanted to do it any other way. I got to work at home. I got to work on my own hours, even though the hours were dictated by the deadline. I was in the comfort of my own home. and. I liked that. Yeah. I did too. I mean, I started my own business, obviously Proco, mm -hmm. um, and uh, most of the existence of Proco has been in my house. Mm -hmm. um, now we have a studio, but I really enjoyed being my own boss and or still enjoy mm -hmm. it, but I, I enjoyed just getting up and walking to the next room and starting my day and then going to the kitchen if I need to do, yeah. you know, get a nice tea. It was, it, it was, I like the freedom yeah. personally. So if I had to choose between getting a job or being a freelancer, I would choose being a freelancer yeah. all the time. The hardest thing about freelancing is getting it started, getting it so you got yeah. enough income to keep it going. But not everybody feels this way. A number of people like to separate their home life from their work life. And so there's where the issue of jobs comes in. Yep. Uh, when you are, now I know that right now we're not talking about how to make money, but we're pulling the camera back to look at the categories here. Freelance is one where you, I had about a hundred art directors that I worked for over that 20 some year uh, period. And getting a job where your company hires you and you are responsible to them is another category. And the good thing about it is that you don't have to constantly market. You don't have to seek work. The work is there for you. The, you also get benefits typically instead of having to pay your own health insurance. Yeah. The downside of it is that there can be an illusion with companies 
that they will have any loyalty to you. Yeah, job security. One fact of life is that companies have zero loyalty to you. When it comes down to the point where they've got to let you go, they let you go. And there's all sorts of stories. The animation industry is rife with those stories, but there's other industries too where they let everybody go. And it wasn't those people's fault. It was the company's fault, but the the people who get the fallout are the employees. And then the market is saturated with all the people who do that kind of thing and everyone's scrambling to get jobs again. So you can expect nothing out of a company. In fact, here is the wisdom of Christian and I had lunch with uh, a man who's been successful in the game industry and in film and and in a number of industries. And he said, everybody's a freelancer now. When you're working for a company, you're lucky if that company lasts for six years and they're going to let you go. So you have to look at this. I'm going to get somebody to hire me as a temporary situation. What happens when that ends? And then where do I go from there? Those are two categories, freelance and a steady job. And freelance, freelance yeah. at a steady job. <laughs> yeah. yeah. There's a third category now, though, which is going directly to your fans, which oh, is yeah. what you've done. Yes. You're so not you're really a freelancer and you're not working for no. someone else, but you've got thousands of fans. I have million. more overlap with freelance than I do with, yeah. with my own job. But um, well, this is the golden area. This is the area yes. that I. W- Seth Godin talks about that. I forgot what book linchpin or tribes but Mm -hmm. he talks about how everyone now should be trying to be their own uh brand their own brand yeah job security is not a thing stan how did you make money as an artist there were many ways (laughs) elaborate (laughs) let's see um one way that i know a lot of artists you do this is, is they teach and this is i think that's actually a really good way to enter the professional art world is by teaching first because it gets you better you buy you know we talked about this a lot you you teach in order to learn and it also it's a job you get to make money you might get stuck in that forever though right is that the pitfall of of that's the pitfall of teaching is that yeah for uh, Teaching, as somebody said, has killed more artists' careers than really? cocaine has. Than cocaine? <laughs> wow. Because once you start doing it and then that you're becoming a dependent on that for yeah. your income, you're going to find out as life goes on, you're hardly going to have time for yeah. the other thing. Well, I mean, it is an option still. Mm-hmm. Um, teaching and, I mean, I got out of it. I didn't do that forever. Mm-hmm. So, it is possible to teach for a period of time and then when you're done with that and you're ready to move on, you can move on. If you're good with controlling your life so i did that for a while i think that yeah that was my first real job in art was teaching how to draw and paint Um, while i was teaching though i did commissions uh, for people i got into a gallery that represented me and i sold paintings through that but i was starting a bunch of companies i don't remember if i ever talked about this at on the podcast. Starting a bunch I've of com- about companies. It so much, I don't remember who I told these stories to. Okay. But yeah, I've, I started a bunch of various companies that had nothing to do with art, um, but I was practicing business. Uh, and eventually I started Proco, um, combining all that stuff. And now that's how I do it because I don't want to make money as an artist. Yeah. Whoa! Yeah, well, elaborate on you don't want to make money as an artist. Why not? Well, because I don't think uh, artists make a lot of money. 
<laughs> it, yeah, I know, right? It depends on the artist. I know. Most artists don't make a lot of money. And that's okay. A lot of careers don't make people wealthy. A but, lot of writers don't make a lot of money. Yeah. that's. Not, I, I think if you're entering the art world to get rich, that is a very bad idea. It is a mistake from the beginning. Yes. You should go do art because you really love it and you can't do anything else because you just like it so much. It has to be part of your life. Uh, but I decided when I started Proco that I want to build a business. Actually, before that, that's why I was starting all these businesses is that I wanted to make a business that would get me money so that I don't have to paint for someone else. I don't have to have a, a, uh, you know, a regular job at a studio. I can just do the art that I want to do. I want freedom in that. And so that's what my plan is now with, with Proco is build it up enough where I'm not worried about money and then make art. Mm -hmm. So that's my plan. I don't want to make money as an artist. Well, not making money as an artist can be the best decision you make. Rembrandt did his greatest work as an amateur. Uh, the stuff that he did that he didn't get paid for. Uh, William Blake certainly did his greatest work as an amateur because he did most of his work as an amateur. Think about Van Gogh and, and many others. They, they just did their work because they had it in them to do. And they, it wasn't contaminated by somebody calling the shots. Right. Let me mention something about John Singer Sargent that way. Okay. And I, I'm trusting I've got this story accurate. He got <laughs> sick of doing portraits of the wealthy because portraits of the wealthy means you have to pander to the wealthy. You have to make sure they're happy with it. You have to fix it and make them look nicer. He got sick of it. And there was a point where he said, I think the quote was in a letter to a friend, no more portraits. He's going to focus on landscapes or whatever else he was going to focus on. How old was he at that point? I don't know. But I do know that after that point, he did his greatest portraits because they were the ones he chose to do. Uh, did that one of Robert Louis Stevenson. He did that one of that actor guy that was in Bride of Frankenstein. He did friends and people who he was interested in their personality yeah. and their look. And that's where you see this Rembrandt-like quality of he captures a personality that's just yeah. amazing. That's exactly why I don't want to make money as an artist because mm -hmm. I've had the same experience. My commissioned portraits were always the worst ones. Mm -hmm. The ones that I chose were, were the best ones, the ones I like. Yeah. I'm inspired to do that portrait, so that's why I'm doing it. Yeah. Uh, Sergeant was 51, by the way. 51 when he did that? John Singer Sergeant was? So did you find the quote? Uh, yes. Oh, really? So did I get it accurate? Uh, yeah. Yeah, you did. Oh, what a relief. <laughs> nice. He was 51. That's 51 not young. Old. How old did he end he, up being? Uh, he uh, died in 1925. Uh, he said that in 1907. So another... So he had another 20 years or so okay, yeah. of doing the portraits he wanted. Yeah. Hmm. Okay. And if you have a job that pays your bills, that does not compete with art, let me explain that. That if you are working all day in front of a computer doing graphic design for your living and it's somebody else's graphic design, you're probably not going to feel like in your off time doing digital paintings because it's just going to be more time in front of the computer. But I had a student years ago who was a mailman. And so he's out walking every day outdoors, 
physically active and then when he's done with that day he goes into a studio and he feels like huddling into the studio because it's mm -hmm. it's counterbalancing activity yeah there's another kind of job uh, it's the kind of job where you've got a lot of time just sitting around we used to call them photo mat jobs because they used to have these places in parking lots of grocery stores where you would uh, leave your film to be processed and it would come back the next day and they'd pay you minimum wage to sit in that booth for hours a day and all you did was just take people's film in to to send it out but that meant you had hours a day that you were getting paid minimum wage to sit there and do your art while you're working okay. so the, the point of all of this is to say that there are all sorts of options for how you're going to arrange this and i wanted to get a camera up over there to say freelancer working for a company working for a company is now freelancer going directly to your fans and getting them to support you which we're gonna we'll aim at in a moment getting working as an amateur and doing your job on the side doing your work as an amateur while you're doing your job because you're allowed to do that and so on yeah the whole thing about not making money as an artist, that's just my decision. I don't think that that's a good decision for most artists. Okay. Um, I think it's perfectly valid and, and a really good decision to work for a studio. And know? it brings up another advantage. The advantage of doing your best work as an amateur is that you have control over it. The disadvantage of doing your best work as an amateur is that you have complete control over it and yeah. also you have nothing to push up against. I did so many jobs that I had something to push up against and some of the best jobs came out of impossible deadlines and impossible challenges but it's like there is no choice you have shot a hole in the bottom of the boat the client is expecting this and you get an adrenaline rush that can make you go the extra stretch and find that you can do better than you thought you were able to do yeah it can go the other way too but there is there is the advantage that being a professional makes you strong in a way that a lot of amateurs you know that a, a horse i'm told running on its own with no rider will not run as fast as a horse that's carrying an extra 150 or 200 pounds with a rider if the rider is goading it and the, that sense. way the horse chooses its pain i mean it'll hurt to go faster but it'll hurt more yeah. to do that so i'm going to push harder which horse is enjoying running more yeah yeah. Yeah, there you go. Oh, if, if you're going to be a professional, if you're going to rely on your art for your income, expect a lot of, I don't know that I made the right decision. Yeah. The joy will be gone a lot of times out of the pressure. Uh, it's less so if you're doing purely technical stuff. I don't, I had a lot of pressure on those technical illustrations, but they are quantifiable. You know how to get it done by the deadline. Yeah. As soon as you're doing something like what people who are writing comedy or doing things that are supposed to be funny or emotional or scary and it's not working and you've got a deadline, that's way more draining because you just can't pull out of the well of your creativity the feelings that you hope to get into this work. I think it's really important for every artist nowadays to get really good at business. I was lucky enough that I was naturally interested in it. Mm -hmm. um, but even if you're not, I think you should start studying up on it because it's, it's, it's huge in today's time. You have to be in control of your career. Um, and I would suggest just listening to people like Gary Vee, Seth Godin, you know, Mixergy was a big one for me, but that was more for starting your own company. 
Um, Gary V is the guy who wrote the book. Now is your time to crush it. The guy who's I think it's the, just called Crush It. Crush It. Yeah, yeah. I did read that book years ago. Should I give the one minute version of it from what reading it when I was in middle sure. age? The one minute version of it. There has never been a time in history that you can make your living at anything that you are interested in. If you're interested in worms and you spend all your spare time researching worms and nobody else seems to care about worms. <laughs> now that you've got the internet, there are going to be people who care about worms. There's a whole industry of fishers yeah. that care about worms. And so you can be the go-to person if you will put the year or two or three or five into doing all the forums and saying, look, I know about this and I, I'm the advisor. And you brand yourself as the expert on whatever you're interested yeah, in. Yeah. On and any super niche topic you brand yourself as the expert yeah. now is the easiest time to start a business yeah the it certainly is marketing yourself is so easy now compared if to you're good at something com compared to before it, it is yeah you've got you've got your shingle on the world wide web that you can put out there and if you've got a product now let's we, we've given context yes let's get back to the money thing because that's what you asked about how do you do it uh, i'd say this first there's this category you can be a market chaser. A market chaser does not think about what I want to do, but what does the market need? And many people have done well as market chasers. I was primarily a market chaser. I just wanted to know how can I get paid to do anything? Oh, ad agencies need someone who can do these kinds of technical illustrations. Okay, I can do those. And so you chase the market. Another thing is when there's a popular style going on, movie posters by Drew Struzan. Well, we can't afford Drew Struzan. I can do it for half the amount of money and it'll look to the untrained eye like Drew Struzan did. Okay, we'll pay you. And so when you chase the market, yeah. you make money. But there is one problem with chasing the market that I've observed, usually to develop a competent style and skill to fulfill that market can take a year or three. And often enough, you chase the market and the market was faster than you. And as soon as you're good with this style or this thing, they no longer need it. Mm -hmm. So you will be chasing and chasing and chasing until you may wear out. But market chasing is not a bad thing if your priority is money. Right. Now, my recommendation the other one? to students uh -huh is first get all of your loves out in front of your face and say, what do I love enough to where if I never made money with it, I'd do it anyway because mm -hmm. I want to do it. Studying worms, <laughs> yeah, whatever it is. And then you get so good at it that you are potentially creating a new market for it. And even if you don't make your living with it, you'll be happy as an, I, I decided that, that if I have to work as a mailman and on the side do my drawing, I will do that. And I'll do that for however many years, decades that it takes. And I think that when you do that and commit to that, you may be increasing your likelihood of rising enough, high enough with your skill to where you'll make yourself more marketable. Yeah. Now that's saying that, I have relatives who have said differently and they say they do the exact opposite. Choose what nobody else wants to do and what you don't want to do. Get good at it and you will have a niche that nobody wants to do and you can charge a lot for it. And as much as I don't ascribe to that, they have made 
tons more money than me. They've become rich because they exploited exactly that attitude. Take the work no one wants to do, do it, charge top dollar. I want to challenge that. Go ahead. I have a feeling that they just like maybe a challenge and they enjoy a challenge or they enjoy starting their own business, Mm -hmm. whatever that could be. I don't know exactly what they did, so, but maybe they were still enjoying it. But that prescription of choose something you don't want to do. And that nobody else wants to choose the most unglamorous thing and charge a lot for it. I think that could be dangerous. I don't like the idea. Yeah. And the reason is because you spend most of your life, most of your waking life working. And so you're going to choose something that you're going to do for most of your life that you don't enjoy and you got all this money from it. Yeah, the money is great. But gosh, I think I would, if I had the choice of being rich and never being allowed to create versus having my bills paid and doing what I love, it wouldn't take me two seconds to make that decision. Yeah. Yeah. Same here. Mm -hmm. I don't see a point of doing what you hate every day. Yeah. Cool. Okay. Well then. Are we done? No. No. Let me look at my (laughs) notes here. We didn't really tell people how to make money as an artist. I mean, it's hard to, it's, it's hard to talk about this without mentioning that you have to just be really good at, at drawing or painting or whatever type of art you do. You have to be really good at it because it's so freaking competitive. Yes. Everybody wants this job. It's part of like human nature to create it. It's, it's not black and white though. You know, there are plenty of people mean? that go to studios that stay there for five years and get really good training under other artists and then they go off and do their own thing. That's yeah. true. Yeah. Um, so it, it's a place to be paid to be creative to get better. But for, how do you get that job in the first place though? How to get a studio job? That's hard in itself. Getting the studio job is hard. Yeah. Getting any job that will pay anything is not that hard. If you say, look, I'm really cheap. I will do this kind of work for a fraction of what someone else do. I know that some people don't like that. And I know even some of my peers would say, Marshall, don't tell people to do that. It drives down the value of artists. Yeah. And it doesn't really solve the problem of, of making enough money to do the thing on the side and get good. You're, st- you're still gonna, like if you're just working for really cheap, you're still probably gonna have to get another job. To just, but to start out, yeah, it's okay. how I did it. And I don't know really that, mm. I, I've, I've seen people who do not care about making money until their portfolio is full blown. And okay. then they go out and their portfolio is so impressive that they become sought after quickly. I've seen that happen a couple times. Yeah, I guess I agree. I mean, when I was really young, I was charging like 50 bucks for a commission portrait. That's insane. But like I was young. I was a teenager. I couldn't charge more than that. My drawings were not good. So, yeah, that makes sense. If you're not ready to charge professional rates because you're not a pro, then yeah, don't. Then it's okay to not charge professional rates. Let's take a break for an ad and then we'll come back for the voicemail. Okay, cool. Hello, it's Sean calling from Massachusetts. And I've struggled lately with the question, when is it acceptable to start offering commissions? Judging from the skill level of peers that I've offered commissions, I feel I'm at a level where I can make some money off of it, but I'm not sure if it's a good idea to focus less on learning the fundamentals. I've been drawing about six to eight hours a day for a couple months, and I've been happy with the results, but I'm still not quite where I want to be. Would you guys recommend starting that now, considering I have the time, or would it be more beneficial to wait until I feel 
the desire to improve is lessened? If so, how should a young artist uh, charge for a rate? Yes, start now. If someone's offering you a commission, do it. Absolutely. That's going to be my answer. You, yeah. You've got two different pressure uh, temperature gauges there. One is the temperature gauge of my own home, my own family, my own self, that I'm not good enough or whatever. Then you've got the more important one if you want to make money, which is the outside temperature gauge of people say, no, I wouldn't hire you because that's not good enough for what I want. Oh, yeah, you're good enough for what I want and they'll give you money. That's the whole thing that this is about. Yeah. As soon as you are hireable by anyone who needs it, then you take that. Yeah, I think it's... Even if it's a low rate, like you're saying, I think it's good practice. If you're a student, almost any job I think is good practice because it introduces you to the real world and you get a taste of how to, what it's like and how to navigate it Yeah. early on. The earlier, the better, I think. Even if you're 12. That's right. And someone's paying you to do a commission portraits, do it. Do it. Do it. What are you going to lose? I worked in the Disneyland Hotel art department for a few years and one of the things we had to do back before computers is you used a rapidograph pen to make straight lines and you had to measure angles and get stuff ready for print. It was purely technical work. Used an X-Acto knife a lot too. And I did that for so many hours that I got so precise with an X-Acto blade and they paid me to do that. Then when I became an airbrush illustrator. I had to cut masks with an X-Acto blade and I'd had hundreds of hours of experience that nobody, I, I didn't have to pay for that. Somebody else paid me to get that experience. So I really am big on that. I'm imbalanced that way. Yeah. I think that the best way to, to make a career is to get anybody to pay you as quickly as you can. But here's the imbalance. You can get in over your head and you're not ready for it. So one of the ethical challenges is don't make any promises you can't keep. Yeah. I think if you are young though, uh, people will forgive you if you get in over your head. But not if It's they, almost like it's their fault that they hired a 16-year-old <laughs> if they, you yeah. mess up. So, if you're 16 and you're oh, getting over, in over your head, do it anyway. We, right? We had a friend, family <laughs> friend who ran a roofing business and he hired me when I think I was 18 years old to paint some signs for him of a guy pointing his finger at you saying, be careful but hurry or something like that. <laughs> and I painted with what I knew, which was acrylic paints on metal. And they started nice. to peel off. Nice. So I spray mounted. We, you know, got a spray varnish to try to stick it down <laughs> in there. <laughs> and it didn't last long because these were things for outdoors. Yeah. It didn't last long. But he was a family friend and he paid me like 80 bucks for those. Yeah. And it was, it was completely forgivable. Yeah, exactly. So I got and to learn. And you probably learned a valuable lesson. I learned that you use enamel when you're doing at that time. That's what you put on, on metal. Not just that, but do your research. If you're going to do a right. professional job, take it a little more seriously. Yeah. You probably were more careful after that. Yeah. Oh, yes. That's but a good lesson. It happened a few other times where I had to learn oh, really? on the job. So you didn't learn? No, not not from the enamel thing, oh, but okay. from other things. Learning, <laughs> you doing, kept doing yeah. it. Yeah. You kept painting on metal. Oh, no, no, I just kept <laughs> taking anybody, any job that anybody would yeah. pay me. So the, the downside yeah. to this and the there is an, another argument, which is get your training first. And you are best off if you're getting your training in an environment that is preparing you for the professional world, the yeah. unglamorous professional world where you learn the industry standards and the industry demands and the expectations in that, that industry. It's called industry for a reason. 
You, Why? It's because they are, they are concerned with the manufacture of product that has a deadline that has to get out and doing the stuff for ad agencies, especially some of these campaigns that were, they were for trade shows or for a, a campaign that was going out into magazines. If you fail to meet your deadline, hmm. it could cost them tens or even hundreds of thousands of dollars. They may be paying you just a few thousand dollars, but that few thousand dollars is insurance that you're going to get it done on time so that they don't have that whole pipeline shut down. So those are the things that happen when you have proven yourself a pro. And somebody asked in the comments about how do you prove that you can do it by deadline mm -hmm. fast? And in your portfolio, how do you prove in your portfolio, in your portfolio that you can meet deadlines you can't prove it but you can put the art director at ease by showing that you did a series for a client that may have been printed or published on the web or whatever else and they say oh you did seven of these and they look like they came out yeah. serially you say well how do you get that job in the first place it's it's hard <laughs> to answer that. It's the catch-22 of starting yeah. a career. People don't want to hire you until you've proven you've already done it. Networking is a big part of that. That's okay. That's the thing. Once you've got the skill, who's going to know about the skill? If everybody around you knows about your skill, yeah. then the word gets out that someone has a genuine need. We need an artist who can meet this deadline and has this style whom we can trust. Mm -hmm. Someone is likely to say, well, I know someone in my network who can do that, then the connection has been made and that's where the money starts to happen. And we mentioned before that networking starts in the classroom. Yeah. So if you're in school right now, don't think that you're, you're not networking already. Okay. You've begun creating your network. Yeah. Let's go to Neil Gaiman's speech that he did at that commencement. Which one? Uh, is make good art is the make good art is the only one I know has he done okay. more than one uh, no I just wanted to make sure we're on we're well the, the make thing. good art he talked about that you may be trying to get to a mountain and at one time you would take a job that would move you in that direction but you may get beyond that point and then you would not take that job because it's not going to take you where you want to go it's that business of saying no to say yes. But he also mentioned in that speech something that it's the first time I'd ever got into the culture at large, but I heard it all the time in the comics industry. You're talking about the three, you have to have two of three the, things? The two of three things. Yeah. I heard that for the first time back what in the early 80s. That if you want a career in the industry, you need at least two of three things. One is to do killer work. The second is to come in on time. You are reliable. And the third is to be great company, a person who's a joy to work with. Mm -hmm. If you've got two of those three things, you will have a career. And I can think of examples of people who had the first two, but they didn't have the last and they still had great careers. Yeah. And I can think of uh, people who were just always on time and everybody liked them. They didn't do that great of work. Yeah. So there's all the combinations of this. And my suggestion, if I were your teacher, say, why not do all three of those things? <laughs> that brings you up to another yeah. special level. Oh, I remember uh, watching when I was in the art department of Disneyland Hotel for a few years, even though I was not an illustrator there, I did get hired to do some illustration jobs wow. that they could not afford a real illustrator. What? Disney? Disneyland Hotel. They didn't have the money for a real illustrator who would charge them five, six, seven, eight thousand dollars for this. They didn't have the budget for it. They didn't have the budget. 
yeah. write the budget right. They had the money. Yeah, they had the money. <laughs> <laughs> and they paid me seven, eight dollars an hour to do a job that I might have made 300 bucks on. So they saved many thousand dollars. But I got to do the Disneyland Hotel Jam and Jelly Labels. And what? Even, Wait, what is that? I jam did and Disneyland Jelly? Disneyland Hotel had their own line of jam and jelly. I got to do the illustrations oh, for that. jam and jelly. I thought you said jam and jelly. Jam and jelly labels. Got it. And they were they were professional jobs. I did them for a real company. They got printed yeah, on the labels. You could go into the store. Yeah. And th- those were a part of my portfolio, even though I made no money on that job for how much time I put into it. Yeah. But they were an established thing. Oh, you did a series of jam and jelly labels for <laughs> Disneyland Hotel. You're a professional. Those are the kinds of things that you pay your dues to prove yourself. Now, there was yeah. another thing I wanted to mention about the Disneyland Hotel Art Department. Mm-hmm. While I was there, at the lowest rung of the ladder, doing paste up for the brochures, etc., I was watching professionals get hired. I watched a photography team of a, a father and son, Samarjan Photography in LA. They got hired to do photo shoots and they got paid great money. And they were so pleasant to work with that the art director there, just every time he worked with them, how great they are to work with. They were great company. They did knockout work and they were completely professional in that if you had them, they had to do helicopter shots and that kind of thing, really demanding work. And they just had their act together so that anytime this art director had a chance to get the money to hire Samarjan, they he was uh, pitching for it. So you end up with clients who are just dying to have you work for them. That's what happens when you've got all three going. All right. All right. I do have a question. You have a question, Christian? I do have a question. Do you think it's harder now to uh, be a professional artist than it was when you were coming up, Marshall? Uh, I do have an opinion about that. Is it harder to be a freelance artist now than when you were coming up? It is harder to make a living as a freelance artist now because there are so many people, the, the resources for freelance artists are so huge. Yeah, the competition it, is higher. Competition is higher. It is easier now to get freelance work than it ever was. That's not saying you'll make a living with it. It's a thousand times easier to get freelance work. Okay, let me tell another story about going <laughs> to the right. fans. I have at least three students who liked to do fan art. Okay. And two of them would have to miss my Saturday classes because we're going to Anime Expo this weekend. And I said, I'll give you credit for that if you'll come back and report for it. They went to Anime Expo and they had a booth. Okay. And they'd sell, what do you, what do you want me to do? I want you to draw this character. And they'd come back and tell us about it. And uh, how'd you do? Oh, we broke even. That's good enough. It means it pays for the show. And these were these 19, 20, 21 year old girls that they're business people. Yeah. They're learning how to go out and actually meet a market. Now, another one, one of them, by the way, makes her living now doing that completely. This was 10, 15 years ago. Travels the world doing conventions. Goes to conventions and actually makes a living with it. Yeah. I have another student who did his own characters and also did fan art and he makes his living on the internet by doing fan art and i have read some blog posts by 
teachers and professionals who trash doing fan art and it's not really art. But the question here is, are you trying to make money? And if you love these characters, it's I like, don't get why, that argument. Why isn't it art? I don't pay that much attention to that argument. Okay. Because I love some of my students. And if, some they, of them. <laughs> I, if they can make their living doing what they want to do, even if it's other people's characters and somebody pays me 80 bucks to do this character, yeah. somebody's paid me 250 bucks. And then, you know, it's got a picture of caricature of them in there. And I've got several others who do it and make part-time money with it. Yeah. But it's kind of like being a cover band. You might say it's not like pr producing your own compositions, but it's not a bad way to make a living, to play your yeah. favorite music. If you play it well and people will pay you for it, I'm happy for them. It's, it's easier than ever to be able to get to do that. I don't know how you work it out on the forums, if there, there aren't even forums anymore, but where you have your communities online where I draw characters like this and people say, yeah, I'd like to commission one of those for a hundred bucks. And you do 15, 20 of those in a week and you're paying your bills. Another way to make money as an artist, when Proco 2.0 comes out <laughs> and you're a good artist and a good teacher, you can post on there and you can sell your stuff on the Proco marketplace or once we have this feature, for students will be able to pay for critiques and if you're good at critiquing, you could be approved as a an approved critiquer and that's money on the side that's right and Do it's going to help you be a you know help you critique you're creating a forum for people to have an opportunity to yes. prove themselves yeah yeah, yeah. Okay. so that's a win-win and it's a network you'll be able to network with people yeah proco 2.0 baby <laughs> okay yeah where does that bring us it brings us to your thing marshall well, I think I'm going to make an advertisement. Cool. I am preparing to do a workshop with a very few people in January called Artistic Development. The first one is called Temperaments and Achievement, and it's about how your personality, your niche, your temperament can be matched to your career choice. For example, if you are an extrovert and you love being around people, you may not want to be a painter by trade but you may want to be a creative director or someone who's working constantly with people and vice versa. That's uh, one full session on temperament, how there's all these different temperaments matching your temperament to your task. The second session is on the creative process. And that is how it has to be divided into two separate disciplines, the divergent and the convergent that we've talked about. And then the third session is called how to get hired in the arts and it is true to its name. I'm going to spend three to four hours telling you stories and showing you examples, showing you slides of students' work and how it progressed up to the point where they could become professionals. This will be in January at Cura Studios, Cura OC. It'll be in January. It'll probably be the first or second week of January. January 2020. And yeah, 2020. <laughs> and it will all be within a week's time. We're probably going to do a Monday, Wednesday, and Friday and then have a little workshop on Tuesday and Thursdays in between. So if you want to make the pilgrimage, to spend time with me about this. That's what that's going to be about. Nice. Okay. How about My you? My thing is this drawing yeah. that Kim Jong-gee did of me. He sure did. And to the listeners, there's, there's going to be a link in the show notes. You can just click on it and see it. Okay. Um, he drew this while I was interviewing him. Uh -huh. While he's answering questions, he's drawing me. 
Uh, and it's a drawing of me putting my hand in my own mouth for some reason. He's drawn you <laughs> as an infant. Yeah, I, I'm, I, I don't want to look too far into what the, this means. <laughs> he drew me as a rotting corpse. Also appropriate. <laughs> so, <laughs> I think he's, he's, he's playing he's, with us. There's meanings behind yeah, what he does. Is. I think that he intends. I don't want to look into because every possible reason he might have done this is negative. Yeah, but he only think he's having fun. <laughs> yeah. Yeah. He said, I asked him why he did it, but he said originally he was going to draw my entire arm going through my body and coming out in the you know another region another bottom yeah another sphincter either way he's gonna have some fun here yeah and, and so the reason he didn't do that is because one of my questions i was asking about perspective mm -hmm. and he started drawing these cups mm -hmm. and people inside the cups yeah. and that kind of got in the way of his original drawing and he you know how he draws he just kind of lets things flow yeah he doesn't really care and so he had to adjust my my hand but that's an interesting yeah. approach though that is really instructive you draw a cup that you're looking down in yeah and then you write at you and then tip it tip it tip it and each one of those ellipses yeah. gives you a guide for how to move things around in space yeah this interview will be out uh probably during 12 days of proco i okay. think um maybe not don't quote me on that but yeah yeah i thought this was really funny it either means that i need to shut up and he was just waiting for the interview to be over uh -huh. or that I'm like so consumed in myself. I'm eating myself. Is that maybe well, that's what yeah, that means? It, it could be malicious and it could be affectionate. It just depends on how you're going to take it. And I think he will let you deal with the ambiguity. <laughs> but I also heard that he draws a lot of people with their arms going through their mouth and yeah. out of their okay, other sphincter. Yeah. yeah. Um, so maybe it's not just me. He drew one of my students and just did a really beautiful, flattering uh, picture of her. Oh, so, yeah. great. So cool. some people Thanks. get the good treatment and then some people don't. Yeah. I prefer this. Yeah. This is funny. It is. <laughs> it's a nice drawing. It is. Cool. Okay. That's it. Thanks for being with us. Hope you learned. Hope we answered your questions. Yeah. Uh, if not thoroughly, at least get you thinking about some of these things. And uh, come on, say it. Come on. What? Oh. Come on. Help me. Give me the first few words. Stars. Oh, star light, star bright. <laughs> star bright. Say it. If you feel like it, give us five star rating. Yes, do it. Um, and in the comments, let us know some unusual ways you've made money. That'd be great. <laughs> uh, yeah. Yes, do it. Do it write that comment <laughs> if there's avenues that we didn't think of no come on don't change it i think that's a good that's one just, I'm, I'm just elaborating oh. on it. it how have you made money if there's things that we have not thought of we can't answer all the questions here but if you're contributing hey i made money this way that can yeah. broaden everybody's thinking awareness yeah okay <laughs> cool all right thanks guys thanks see you next week